RadioInfluence.com. I got to tell you, I am rejuvenated. I am reinvigorated. I just got back from Hazleton, Pennsylvania. To be more specific, Sugarloaf, Pennsylvania. Valley Golf Country Club. Home of Joe Madden and his lovely wife, Jay. And it was an experience that just rejuvenated me, reinvigorated me, realizing what really is important in life, seeing Joe back in his hometown. What is he doing today? How did he feel after the angels said, we no longer need your services? What about his future? And how he is just so, it's like heartwarming, man. He wants to do for you. And wow, do I have behind the scenes stories. Just, it was incredible. He invited me along with his right-hand man, Rick Vaughn, you know, into his home, back-to-back nights. This was during All-Star Weekend. He had not watched a Major League Baseball game since that day in, in, in with the Angels. Uh, the first summer that he wasn't, hasn't been on a baseball field since 1980. He's playing golf every day, but he's gardening. He's grilling. He's, 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 you know what, man? He needs this. So it's just incredible. So without further ado, this is the first time that he has sat down for an in-depth interview since he's been out of baseball. So without further ado, I know you're tuning in for this. This is a good one. What a special person. My thanks to the great, great, the one, the only, Joe Madden. All right, it is an honor and a pleasure to be sitting here in West Hazleton. We're in, You're in Sugarloaf right now. Sugarloaf in the beautiful mountains, the golf course. We're getting ready for the Respect 90 Foundation annual uh, golf tournament with the great Joe Madden. Joe, you look fantastic you look healthy you look happy how are you feeling joe all of the above um when you don't have to adhere to 162 game schedule uh plane rides uh eating at weird hours uh not getting enough rest things turn around listen i do miss it don't get me wrong but uh i've been back here in pennsylvania since i think july 1st jay and i went to uh mace arizona right after we got done and uh then I said, babe, I want to go back to, to PA and hang out at the golf course. And I've been here since July 1st. She came a little bit later. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, I've played every day since I've been here. I didn't miss a day. And uh, tons of yard work, which I really, really enjoy because we have a tons, of, tons of yard work to do around our pad. And then um, cooking. I bought a, a grill, Weber grill, put it together, having a blast with that. And then like you guys last night, you and RV experienced some of the local fare with uh, Bellhop's oh Hoagies and uh Ross's pizzas, so it's all been good. I'm glad you said those names because yeah. I was going to ask yeah. you and write them down and spread the word. If anybody's ever coming through yeah. Hazleton, that was in Hazleton, right? Or was it? Yeah, next? I had to go over to Hazleton. That's where I, I uh, Bell Hops is right by Our Lady of Grace Church, where I, where I went to school as a kid. And then Rostis's is on 15th Street. And Rostis's, is have, have, as you saw last night or tasted, it's got that unique quality to their sauce, a little bit sweeter. Uh, but they've been in business for 100 years. Uh, Bell Hops actually. I told you last night, Bellhop, the bartender who passed away several years ago, Bellhop was 100 years old and still tending bar. 
at Bellhops. And that was maybe 10 years ago, maybe less than, yeah. Wow. So you, not to get too deep into the past, but you, you know, you grew up a Pennsylvania boy. You played football. You were a QB. You went to Lafayette. You get into baseball. You're in the minors. When did you decide, was it always, was it one of those things where obviously you're trying to make it to the, to the bigs, uh, but the coaching, the coaching aspect, because you've been in coaching for so long. When did that start, Joe? Well, I wanted to play, as you know, and I, as you're asking that question and posing it, I mean, I started a junior little league up on 17th street at the Cal field. And I remember when I was six, seven, I wanted to be a big league player. I remember that. So I got a chance to play some minor league pro ball, but even as I was doing that, uh, the, the, one of the best scouts I've ever known, Lloyd Christopher, came up to me one day in Visaya the day after I hit a home run the night before and asked me, when are you going to stop playing and start coaching? I had no idea. I, I didn't really, that wasn't on my radar. Uh, different uh, scouts and very good baseball people um, told me that I would be good at this. I had no idea I'd be good at this. I swear to God, I did not. So it was Lloyd that started that in Visaya, uh, BP, after a night game, and uh so once I got into it, I mean, obviously, well, part of it was the body. I just, my, even though I was only 25, 26, the body didn't work anymore. Gotcha. Pull muscles, arms, gotcha. you know, all this kind of crap that everybody goes through. So I knew I wanted to stay in the game, and the only avenue would be to become a coach, and that's what I did. Now, you coached for a long time, and it was in the Angels organization. You worked your way up. You were a bench coach on the big league level, yep. interim manager. At that point, was it the goal, I want to do my own thing, I want to be a major league manager, or I'm just happy where, where I'm at? No, I was I was always wanted to be a manager, but I knew having not played in the big leagues, I needed to get there as a coach first. I needed to understand the major leagues, which like even in today's world, when um, – you know, guys really have never played in the major leagues and just jump into coaching positions or managing positions in the major league level. I don't know how you do that. I needed I needed the um, apprenticeship. I did badly. And I was a 10 year apprenticeship as a major league coach before I got a chance to manage. Uh, but that's I knew I wanted to do that. But I also, like I said, I knew I never wanted anything before it was my time to have anything. And because if you do that, then you're going to you're not going to be prepared properly. I thought. When I got the race job, I was 51, I think. And uh, by that time, I knew I had, I had done everything I needed to do in order to be, in my mind, so I considered ready for this job and that I had seen a lot of different things on different minor league fields and I worked with uh, a variety of different players. So I felt comfortable about accepting that position. Now, when you got that job, you're coming to the Tampa Bay, was it still Devil Rays? Yeah, Devil Rays. All right, so the Devil Devil Rays. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. here I am in that market, knowing how baseball works with a salary cap. And honestly, Joe, I had always said, I'll never see the Rays even contend in the A and the high payroll AL East. And you came in and I remember, I'm going to change this culture. I'm going to call the Trump the pen. We are going to win. Did you, you, I guess you did believe it. I, 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 I didn't believe it. You did it. I did. I believe that a big part of the believability for me was the fact that that was right about the time that they were coming, uh, MLB was coming down hard on steroids, steroid use. I thought that was the big separator. I thought um, if you don't have a a big payroll or are willing to spend a lot for a payroll, you're not going to compete with people that that can because they're going to find a better players, according statistically, who are always going to be augmented through steroids. So I thought once that was more level, then I my my I think my refrain was the team that plays a better game of baseball on that particular night will win. So I had a lot of faith in my teaching uh, abilities and things that I had done. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, level playing field, 
drugs are really declining. Uh, who's going to play better baseball tonight? That was my thought. And, uh, you know, the first couple of years of rugged, man, 100 losses, sure. 2006. But that was, at that time, that organization was as dysfunctional as anything I've ever seen. And when I walked in the door, and then eventually, towards the end of the second year, you could see some footing. I always talk about the Danny Wheeler trade uh, was probably the the one seminal moment that really helped change things because Danny straightened out the bullpen. Danny, it wasn't that he was like uh, this magnificent closer, but Danny was a work workman. He knew how to prepare. Uh, he knew what it was like to be a major league player and, and relief pitcher, and he started teaching these guys how to do that. And that was a separator. Once we started winning games we are supposed to win, then all of a sudden people started believing in the things that we were doing right or good or proper. But if you keep losing games and losing games late, uh, people uh, will not uh, buy into whatever that program may be. So a lot of me being able being able to stay there the next year, I think, was because of Danny coming in and really taking charge of that bullpen. Wow, these are, these are points that even when I cover the team, I, I did mm-hmm. not realize mm-hmm. or think about. Mm-hmm. So the the great moment with the Rays was when Aki stepped on second base yep. and oh my God, I got a chance to actually be in the clubhouse and being around it. And oh my God, the Rays win the AL East that had going on to the world series. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable at the time. Well, yeah, right. And we know how unbelievable it was. I mean, um, unless you're a part of the Ascension, you have no idea uh, what went into that and how bad it was prior to that. Um, so yeah, I, same thing. I mean, a ground ball, Aki steps on second, and the first thing you think about, we're going to the World Series. And I remember driving to the Trop with Jay, uh, my wife, and <clears throat> several times we'd be driving there, <clears throat> excuse me, and I would say, there's going to be a World Series played in that ballpark, uh, which, again, like you're talking about, not even uh, nobody could even have dreamt that without being accused of being uh, <laughs> on <laughs> something. <laughs> so. It was uh, quite a moment. Uh, a lot of good things happened. Uh, working with the front office, Andrew and Maddie and myself and, and the rest of the group, it was pretty special. So then you have your opportunity, you exercise, you had that mm-hmm. option, you're looking around and it's the Cubs mm-hmm. and it's Wrigley and it's that. And I mean, what an opportunity, what an experience. And then to get it done and yeah. break the curse. Oh man, you're living in, in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Rick Vaughn, your right hand man was telling me he yeah. was, you were a rock star in Chicago. What, what, what a great time that must have been, Joe. Well, it was um, five years. Uh, you get there in 2015 and I, I don't, there was not a whole, there was expectations for the future, but not for that particular year. And we just turned it around uh, right about Right after the All-Star break, we were right around a 500 club. Then all of a sudden, we made a uh, switch. We put Starlin Castro at second and put uh, Addison Russell at shortstop. And the team just took off. And then they, um, <clears throat> at the end of the year, we played, um, it was August. Might have been September, a four-game series against the Giants and swept them at Wrigley, which I, I remember going to the ballpark on those days of the first day. And I said to myself, this is different. Let's go. Tell myself this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we go there, we sweep them, and eventually we roll into the playoffs and uh, got beat by the Mets. Uh, the Mets were pitching was ridiculous, but uh, and even that included that one game playoff in Pittsburgh. Uh, Jake Arrieta, uh, what he did there. So again, it was all um, all these indicators, signs were coming together. Uh, the group was special, spectacular, young. We, we ended up being the youngest team ever to win a World Series in 2016. Didn't realize that, yeah. <clears throat> so. Um, 15, it came together. Uh, Theo gave me a lot of latitude, which was great. Um, 
the players uh, got on the same page with them. Uh, a lot of conversation, a lot of fun too. We, we had a lot of fun. I think that's part of the game today that really people have to understand. Uh, there's a lot of subtraction of fun going on and they, they got to get back to that a little bit. But that was a big part of our success, having a good time, guys interacting, um, post-game celebrations, which were raucous. It was like we won the World Series every night. But a lot of little things came together, and all of a sudden, 15 turned into 16, and then we're celebrating. So then that ends. A lot of people were surprised. I mean, we don't know the inner working. Sometimes things yeah. run their course. It's time to move on, sure. whatever. And... Did you, I'm assuming you had other opportunities, but because you had been in the Angels yep. organization so long, Joe, was that the reason why you decided to, to yeah, go back Yeah, I'm Angels? an angel. I grew up an angel, you know, so I'm looking at this as an opportunity to go back there and try to resurrect what we had been before because they really had gotten away from a lot of different things. The 2002 team that won it was a, there was a, just a bunch of tough guys, uh, uh, really tightly knit, um, uh, you were in, you were on the coaching side. Yes, yes, there, yeah. yes. So we, we played it. Um, scrappy is the right word. A gritty is the right word for that particular group and eventually win a world series. But even prior to that, I was running the minor league system from, I don't know, 1984, 85 until I left to the big leagues in 94. Um, so a lot of the guys that ended up on that world series team, I had had in the minor leagues too, with Sim, uh, Timmy Salmon, Garrett Anderson, um, Thirsty. I worked with Thirsty a little bit. Uh, he came out a little bit at the end. Um, Troy Gloss. I mean, all these guys I had been with Troy Percival. Um, so it was a, an accumulation of um, the work that I'd done prior to getting to the big leagues. And then once I got there, and I was kind of like the transitional piece for Soch when Soch and the boys came in because I knew the American League. He kept me on his staff because I actually interviewed for that job at that time as manager when Soch got it. I wasn't ready. They did the right thing. Uh, Stoney did the right thing. So um, transitionally, I got in there and I was able to bring my work because uh, I knew the league. Uh, right. A lot of the analytical stuff that's done now, I was doing in my own methods or versions back then, uh, whether it was on defense, whether it was um, uh, looking statistically and for advantages, right versus left, um, those kind of things. Uh, spent a lot of time uh, pickoff moves when it was a good time to steal, trying to steal signs, all these things that I was doing. So when Sosha and the boys walked in, I had that down pretty good. You were ahead of your time. Yeah, I, I think's going on. Yeah, so I, I, I can assume. I mean, it, it, it happens to all of us at one point. Nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. now, it's rare that you get to stay and mm -hmm. and finish out on your own. Were you surprised? Were you were were were, were you hurt at all, Joe? Uh, when you look back a little bit it's, now, yeah. I mean, it, it was really um, there's there's no real good reason uh, for having been let go. Quite frankly, I mean. There, Normally when a manager gets let go like that, he's lost, the, he's lost the clubhouse, which was like the farthest thing from the truth. I was really tight with this group. We lost 12 in a row. But that was after one of the best starts we've had, or the Angels have had in years. Um, so we were able to absorb it. A uh, big part of that was the, the bullpen was just couldn't nail things down. They just could not nail things down. And Mikey and Shoei hit about 100 for two weeks. So, I mean, there, there was reasons of mitigating circumstances. So it – uh, when Perry came to my house that day, I really thought he was coming to talk about some of the coaches being let go, which I didn't like either because I'd been talking to him prior to that saying, listen, it's nobody's fault here. We're just not playing well. So let's just write it and we'll get through this thing. So uh, when he came out to tell me that was it, um, surprised a little bit. Yes. And yes, a lot. I was surprised. Hurt. Ah, I don't know if it was the right. Hurt is the right word. Upset because I came there for a reason. 
And um, I'm really good at doing things like that, especially when it comes to turning things around. Whereas uh, Perry and the guys that had been there had never been it through anything like this whatsoever. So um, it kind of upset me from, I think more upset than uh, surprised gotcha. or anything else. Um, but nevertheless, um, I got over pretty quick because um, it was it was not a good working environment for me. Um, I'm, I'm a really big part of the uh, birth of analytics in baseball, but it's gone to the point now where it's obscene. And I don't agree with a lot of this stuff. So yeah, I was getting too many arguments with these guys. So a lot of this stuff was uh, brought on by uh, people just relying on numbers more than heartbeats. Was it true that you actually yeah. read that? You got a mohawk? You, yeah, you I was got ready, a I, that, that to, day. That day I was no. ready to go to the ballpark uh, to change things up a little bit. And uh, I was still really, I'm not still, I was really excited about going to the yard. I didn't care about the losing streak. It was going to, we're going to get over it. Uh, guys are struggling. Players are having a hard time. It's nobody's fault when that happens. The, the players have a hard time. That happens in Major League Baseball. Um, and you go through bad moments. And you, like when we won the world, we went to the World Series with the Rays. We had two seven-game losing streaks that year. And one right before the All-Star break. Uh, and then uh, Andy Freed helped me with that. I, apparently, the Baltimore Orioles, the year they won the World Series, I think it was 84, was it? or Something like that. Uh, they had two seven-game losing streaks in that year, too. So... Uh, and that would equal 14 consecutive losses if you combine them. So these things happen, and you have to work through them. You have to stay together. You have to support one another uh, One another when things are going well. That's the disappointing part is the fact that uh, they did not have any kind of foresight. And it really I didn't think they evaluated the situation well at all. So now you've had a little bit of time. Yeah. You're back here. I keep calling it Hazleton, but... It is Hazleton up over the hill over here. Okay. Okay. So you're here. You're you're looking great. You seem happy, but, and you're late sixties, but you're young at heart. And I can't imagine that you were just going to just all the time play golf. There is going to be a winner. So I bet a lot of people are wondering, have you thought about really what you're going to be doing? Are you going to be back in baseball? What do you think, Joe? I don't know. Um, I have thought a lot of, about it. Um, I'm only going to work again for people I want to work with. That's it. Um, this, you know, the, these, um, and, and, you know, to Perry in Perry's defense, I was not Perry's manager. Perry, I was there before Perry came in, you know? So in his defense, I understand that you got to get your own guy. And I, I appreciate that. So, uh, I'm saying that because wherever I go next, if I go somewhere again, it's going to be because I want to work with whomever I'm interviewing with. I'm not just going to go to do this again. I don't, uh, I don't want to say I don't need it. I really enjoy it. I would like to do it again. However, it's not just to do it again. It has to be under the right circumstances, the right marriage, um, philosophically aligned, um, all those kind of things. It's got to be a situation where there's more of a blend or a marriage between analytics and, and uh, <clears throat> normal fundamental methods of the game. If you want to call it old school, I don't care. But it's just fundamentally um, teaching the game properly and playing the game properly and not just relying – <clears throat> excuse me, on math matrices and all these other kind of things on a nightly basis. Cause uh, quite frankly, that's not why really good. Like the Dodgers and Andrew, they win because their acquisitional process is so fantastic. It's, it's not necessarily about numbers prior to the game, which everybody thinks it is. It's about bringing people in the door, bringing the right people in the door, identifying talent before it becomes talent. That's what Andrew, Andrew's always been a great scout. And I used to tell him that too. I used to tell him, I said, you're a good scout. Uh, Cause I had started out as a scout and that's why I trusted him so much because he evaluated talent so well, but everybody watches the game and they put so many, so much emphasis on the numbers right now. It just really comes down to who pitches better that night, who hits better that night. 
uh, who catches the ball better that night. So what you want to do is get players in advance that can pitch better that night or hit better that night or catch the ball better that night. That's what you're looking for. So that's where I think analytics really shines when it comes to um, acquisition. It really shines when it comes to placing defenders in the right spot. That's why there's such a big uproar. Defenses have really been um, uh, gone to the level now that's ridiculous. You can't get a ball through anywhere because, and that's a lot of that is analytically inclined. And then pitching has some benefit from that too. Although Shohei Otani, um, Shohei's the, you don't, you don't need it. You know, he's not, he's not, he's not scouring, scouting reports before he pitches and goes out there. He goes out there and it's based on talent and field. That's what, that's who Shohei is. Uh, hitters get very little benefit from all of this. And that's, you're seeing that right now with the results. So uh, I think when you hear analytics, um, I don't people think people really realize what it's about and where it really benefits the game. And sometimes where it actually interferes. I'm so glad you're saying that we're like in the eighth inning here. And I want to get to what all, how you've always given back, but like I've said that for you, all that you just go by. It's not just numbers. What if a guy's having a problem with his wife? What if he's sick that day? What if he really, his attitude, he doesn't always want to win. It's just about himself. Like, oh, they don't factor that's in the large that. samples. No, they oh. do because that's the large sample size. That's the easy sample size. I want it. I want it trends. I mean, if you really want to help me on a daily basis or in the middle of August, give me some trends. Give me some things that have been occurring over the last two or three weeks that you've noticed that are different than what this guy normally does. His normal patterns are, um, you know, you just look at, uh, I know Nikki Castellanos, one of my favorites is struggling down in Philadelphia. Nobody expected that. What's his trend? So are you going to pitch to him like the, the Nikki that played in uh, Cincinnati last year? Are you going to uh, attack him in a situation like you wouldn't in Cincinnati, but now you would in Philadelphia. Come on. It's, it's an easy, it's an easy way to, um, uh, put off bad performance or put off bad acquisitions just because it's a large sample size. And that's what they rely on because nobody, and I've asked for it. I've asked different organizations. Could you please just give me uh, info or Intel that tells me the last two weeks I see. and what I should really pay attention to over the last two weeks. Can't they, they, nobody really wants to attempt that because there's no formula for that. And that's just called uh, making adjustments, understanding, having some experience to look and see what's going on, which I do. So that, there's there's all these this little different nuance that nobody ever talks about. That's a big part of of the game and numbers, and a part of why uh, the fans are really grown disenchanted with a lot of it is because of this big picture attitude. Uh, Joey Gallo, for example, in New York right now. I mean, this this guy's a great athlete. He's a tremendous defender. He draws walks, which is really um, uh, something that these people, the, the analytical world really is attracted to and he hits home runs, but he strikes out a ton and, and they're willing to accept that where that was, that was Dave Nicholson back in the day, played for the White Sox, I think. And, and even Dave Kingman to a certain extent. Um, but uh, the, the, this is where it's at. Uh, this is what you have to deal with every day. And philosophically, it's hard to jump on board. All right. My last one for you in your future. Would there be a possibility if it was a young manager and it was the right organization and he asked you to come in and let's say be a bench coach or what is it a possibility of a general manager or is that out of the realm, Joe? I wouldn't be a bench coach. I, I wouldn't be. Um, okay. I'm not, I don't think I would want to do that, but I mean, the front office would hold some interest okay. and again, with the right people. I'm telling you, I, I'm here to tell you, I, I'd have to be convinced that uh, there's loyalty involved. I'd have to be convinced that, and this is the most important thing is when things go well, 
everybody looks good and everybody gets along. I'd have to be convinced that when things go badly, because they're going to go badly. I've told every one of my playoff teams to uh, always have a meeting before our first playoff game. And one of the things they'll always say, things are going to go bad at some point during the series. And how we react to these bad moments is what's going to separate us. It's the same thing with an organization or a team. I think that's why a lot of groups are not good is how they uh, react to negativity or bad moments where there's no continuity. They want to blow it up right away. They think uh, the grass is greener somewhere else, and it's not. Um, it really starts with ownership. It always starts at the top regarding successful groups. All right. Now, that is fascinating, Joe. All righty. So, Respect 90 Foundation. Basically, it seems to me your main, see if, correct me if I'm wrong, your main goal is to help youth in the inner city that just doesn't have opportunities. I know you've done this Hazleton integration and you bought a school and what that offers kids. Mm -hmm. How did that start? Tell us about what you've been doing. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, um, that goes back to 2010, I believe the hip project, Hazleton integration project, Jay and I, uh, and my cousin, Bob and Elaine started about 2010 came back for Christmas. And, uh, this, the city was really, a dark uh, and disrepair. Uh, a lot of Hispanics had moved in and there was a, there was a zero amount of trust uh, within the community. Got really upset because uh, you, you're looking around right now. Uh, this was the best place in the world to grow up as a kid. And then it became one of the worst. Um, so our intent was to try to help that out and also to try to um, unify, bring together the Hispanic and Anglo cultures in, in my hometown uh, when I was a kid growing up, there was one black kid in the whole city, the whole area. Uh, <clears throat> and then um, now we're near 50% Hispanic. I don't even know if we've, if we've um, exceeded that or not. So at that time, it was, it was approaching that. And tremendous disconnect. Uh, the group that had been here uh, wanted no part of this group coming in. And I tried to convince them that it's no different than when our grandparents came in, uh, in the 20s and the 30s or the ten- teens, whatever. Same thing. Uh, bad kids, dirty kids, bad music. Don't understand them. <clears throat> and so you wanted to, uh, uh, everybody wanted to push them away. Um, so the Hispanic group came into this city to make the city better and, and put us back on our feet. That's what I thought. And so we started the um, Hazleton One Community Center, Hazleton Integration Project. And now we, we brought together the cultures in this hometown. We've won, we won national awards for our work at the center putting a lot of kids in college or even right over here at Bloomsburg um, College. Um, used to be a state teacher's college. We have an honors group that goes there annually, and we're putting out school teachers to come back to the Hazleton School District. Awesome. As an example, uh, you know, athletic programs, all kinds of programs. Uh, but it began with the thought in 2010. Wow. Wow. Listen, I, I could go on forever. I can't thank you enough and continued success welcome, in, in whatever you, you do. Because, you know, oh, my, this is my last one. Advice, advice. I ask everybody on my my uh, podcast, what advice do you have? And for you, yes, mm-hmm. it would be somebody maybe coming up in baseball. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just in life in general because you've got life figured out, Joe. What yeah. what is your what is your best advice, man, to just have a good life, be successful, Joe? Well, um, I'm going to try to reduce it like I like to do. I've got a book coming out in uh, October, October 11th, um, me and Tom Verducci, the book of Joe. And one of the main um, refrains within that book, 
uh, happened to me on an airplane ride uh, from Phoenix to uh, Midland, Texas. Lady said it to me one day. I was really in a bad mood. And she reminded me, whatever you put out there comes back to you. <clears throat> you put out good intentions, good vibes, whatever you put out there comes back to you. So if you're of the ilk that wants to put out negativity, uh, drag things down, always uh, want to be adversarial, you're going to get that in return. Uh, conversely, if you want to be a positive person, you want to go out there with a, an attitude of making things better, you probably will, and people will recognize that. So uh, simply, whatever you put out there comes back to you. Don't forget that. I really think we all need, at times, a little bit of a reboot. A reboot. We all need it. And I got it. And I knew that Joe Madden was, he was special. He was a really good person besides being an incredible baseball man, but so much more. I can count them on probably one hand. Those that are just, they're just different. They're special. They're put on this earth to do good for others. Uh, Leroy Selman, the great uh, Leroy Selman, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Uh, Tony Dungy is one of those. Uh, Joe Madden is, is one of those guys. So anyway, my thanks to Joe being around him. Now here's the, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some behind the scenes stories just to let you know how this all went down and everything. I always had so much respect for Joe and that type of thing. When he was here with the Rays, I covered him, you know, all the success that's gone on and all that stuff. And I was kind of shocked when I saw that the angels, you know, let, let him go. And as Joe said in that, you know, they were on a 12 game losing streak. It's baseball. It's 162 games. Everybody is going to go through it. The Yankees, you know how hot the Yankees were in the first half? I guarantee you they're going to go on a losing streak. Teams that win the World Series, there's no way you can be at the top and just crushing for 162 games in baseball. That's baseball. Baseball. If you get three hits in 10 at-bats, that's a 70% failure rate, but you're batting 300. If you're a career 300 hitter, you'll be in the Hall of Fame. You see what I'm talking about? Baseball. But anyway, so I, you know, I don't want to get too detailed, but I know his uh, Rick Vaughn, who runs the Respect 90 Foundation for Joe. He was the longtime public relations director for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and then the Rays. He was with the Baltimore Orioles for many years. He was with the Washington Redskins uh, for a couple of years in the NFL. Just another a good guy. That's why Joe Madden has him help run his foundation. And it really is when it comes down to it. I mean, it was, I was blown away. I checked in with Rick. I was debating on whether or not to go to the major league baseball all-star game, but that's in LA and with the flight situation and how expensive it would be, you know, to bang out some interviews, get some big names for the rock stops here podcast. And then I was on LinkedIn and I saw that the Respect 90 Foundation Try Not to Suck Annual Golf Tournament Charity Fundraiser for the Hazleton Integration Project was happening at the same time as the All-Star Weekend. And that's back in PA. You know, I was born in Pennsylvania. My brothers live in the Pennsylvania, you know, the Lancaster area and then surrounding areas and all that. I'm a Northeast guy. And I was like, oh, my God. So I reached out to Rick. Is it a possibility if I could come and sit down? He goes, we would love to have you. And there you go. 
And then boom, 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 got my flights shot. It was Tampa to Hazel, uh, to uh, Allentown Airport. I've been there before, you know, the smaller airport because we, Emily and I just dealt with Atlanta, Hartsfield Airport and the whole rental car situation just like two weeks ago. And we're going to do that again. Oh my God. And like to just to go to that small town airport. Nice little drive through Pennsylvania hills to get to Hazleton and Sugarloaf, PA. Sugarloaf is where Joe is living. He's living on the golf course, Valley, Valley Golf Course, Valley, uh, Valley, Valley Golf Course and Valley Country Club. And he's back home. So anyway, to make a long story short, boom, boom, Rick and I traveled together and we were in the car together and just BSing and reminiscing and about having great stories. We get there. So the next day is the golf tournament. And Joe has put on this golf tournament for years. He's done this in Arizona. He was going to do it in Cali. And of course, he does it here in his hometown in the Hazleton area. And so... I just figured, okay, the hotel is right next to the golf course here up a hill and that's it. We get there and I figured that's it. And, and Rick says, well, yeah, well, maybe for dinner. I said, no, you do your thing. You do your thing. You got to see Joe and organize things and stuff. You haven't seen him in a while. I'm fine. I'm fine by myself. I'm fine. So I drove into town. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll get there. What? Nine o'clock for the tournament. I'll help you out in anything you need to do. Great. So I'm in my room for a while and, you know, that type of thing. Let me go see what Hazleton is about, What where Joe grew up. and Because I know I've been back. I was back to Scranton, Pennsylvania. That's where my parents are, are in. Uh, they're buried. And I went back last year, last summer, just to see the grave sites and pay my respect and drive around Scranton, PA. I'm a North Jersey. I'm a New Jersey guy. But I was raised in New Jersey. We moved from Scranton, PA. But anyway, anyway, so... I'm looking around Hazleton. I see what Joe's talking about, you know, and just seeing everything and side streets and all that. And then I was in a little mall and Rick calls me and he goes, hey, and I, it was probably about 540 p.m. All right. This is the night before the golf tournament where I'm going to sit down with Joe tomorrow. And he says, hey, Joe wants to have us come to the house for dinner. Can you be back here at uh, six o'clock or six thirty? You're kidding me. Joe wants us to go to his house for his dinner. Oh my. Yes. Boom. Left that mall. Boom. Back at the hotel. Boom. Quick shower. Boom. We're waiting outside. No, we'll go and pick up Joe. I mean, he's Joe Madden. No. Rick texts me back. Joe wants to pick us up at the hotel. Here he's got his big golf tournament, family and relatives, family, people are in town, all going on, and he's going to pick us up at the hotel? Yep. Rick and I are outside. We're waiting. A beautiful night. It's a hot summer night. Here comes Joe. Drives up. Now, I haven't seen Joe in person, in person, since he left the race to go to the Cubs. That's how long ago it's been. I jump in the back seat. Rick in the front. Joe, couldn't we shake hands? Joe is great. Joe's driving around. He's got hot food in the back seat from two local establishments in Hazeltown. Hazelton, I'm going to get to that in a minute. It was, oh, God, it was so good. So good. Hoagies and pizza. But these are better than hoagies. Oh, my God. So anyway, we're driving around. Joe says, all right, what do you guys want, beer or wine? <laughs> 
Now, I really should have said wine because I know he is a big wine guy. Rick doesn't really care one way or the other. And I was like, well, let me be honest, though. I said, I'm I'm beer, beer guy. Joe goes, beer it is. Joe drives, too. And we're in the backseat. Joe's talking with Rick. And I'm just listening in and blah, blah, blah. We're chiming in here and there. We drive to a place where they sell beer and wine in PA because it's a little different. I said, Joe, I got the beer. No. I said, Joe, I got the beer. He goes, no, you don't. You're on my turf. Joe... Joe jumps out and Joe goes into the store to buy the beer. This, this I, I mean, I had just flown here. I thought I was going to interview Namara. That was enough for me. I just couldn't believe it. Joe comes out, buys a 16 pack cold. I jump out, take it from Joe, put it in the back seat, and away we go to his house. And then we go to his house. He and his lovely wife, Jay, are refurbishing this thing. It is so cool. It's a Pennsylvania house that's just being redone. And Joe does the gardening. He was proud of his flower beds that were hanging off the wall, the uh, windowsills in the house. He loves being outside gardening. He's got his grill, everything. We go in, we sit down. It's kind of like a kitchen slash dining area, but it's beautiful country, beautiful big glass doors. You look out to the golf course and, and just, you know, Oh my God, big screen TV right there. Here's Joe getting the beers ready for us, getting the food ready, brings out these hoagies. They call them hoagies in Pennsylvania. You can call them sandwiches or subs or wherever, what part of the country you are. It was meat. It was on these Italian bread it ain't like Italian bread that I get here in Florida. It had peppers, sweet peppers and some hot peppers. There was a combined cheese melted. I'm telling you what. And it was huge. Cut in half. One for me, one for Rick Vaughn, one for Joe. And Joe was also, he's got to try some pizza too. There's no chain stuff. I, I got my cold beer. I'm sitting in Joe Madden's kitchen dining room. Uh, I'm having the most delicious hoagie sandwich I've ever had in my life. I am not kidding you. It was mouth-watering. I told you I've never had a sandwich or a hoagie like this. Ah, uh, you got to try some pizza. So there's no way I'm going to eat both halves of this sandwich. So, and, and Rick did the same thing. We We had one big half of the sandwich. It was so good. Then I go over and try the pizza. The pizza. It was kind of like had some sweetness, sweet sauce to it. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, bear in mind, and Joe's wife was there. Then I didn't know who's who. Rick did tell me when we get there, it's a close-knit family. There's there's a lot, a lot of family members that are they're involved with Joe. You're gonna know this. So I had no. So a nice couple comes up the driveway. Joe's like so and so's here. This is the night before their big annual golf tournament, and I'm in his house sitting next to Joe and Rick right here. Joe even says, "Hey, the All Star Game's on. If you want to watch it, eh, whatever. No, that's okay." Joe probably did want to watch it. Now, bear in mind, Joe has not watched a Major League Baseball game since his last day with the Angels. Had not watched the game. Well, now it's the night before. People are coming in. The Frank, the 
golf pro at the country club that also kind of runs this golf tournament. And he's a go-getter, a do-getter man. One of those guys gets things done. Also a great golfer, from what I understand, and a friend of Joe's. Just a solid, solid, great guy. He drives in. A husband and wife come in. I They were so nice. They were so nice. And we're all just in the kitchen. We're BSing, telling stories, laughing, just having a great time. I didn't even know until the next morning. I said, boy, that couple was nice. Joe goes, or Rick goes, that's his sister, Carmi. That's his sister and her husband. I didn't know. They were just great people. So it was like, it was one of those things that I had not planned on it. I didn't know. And I was just feeling so good, like you're a part of their family and the close, they're just, and he's uh, so open. You know, you, you ever meet those people that their house is open, they want you to come in, they want to serve you, they want, that's what it was like. So meanwhile, we're getting in, they're talking about the tournament tomorrow and this and that. Joe's like, well, well, well what, what jerseys do we have here? I know in Arizona, we got some jerseys. What do we, we got back there? Joe leaves. He comes back in. He went to a closet. He pulls out this incredible Chicago Cubs. Not many of these with a Madden. With, no, it was just a, oh, they're going to use that for tomorrow. A Trash Pandas Madden jersey. There's a minor league club in Alabama. They got a really cool uh, name and jer- Trash Panda won that. He, he brings out a Joe Namath. He's really tight with Joe Namath. Joe Willie Namath. Joe Willie Namath signed thing. That, oh, my God. And it was just like that this night. And we just had a great night. And I said, Joe, I can't thank you enough. He goes, I'll see you tomorrow. So we leave. Now it's the next morning. It's going to be the tournament. They're calling for a hot day. I got in my car. Uh, Rick and I were going to go down there around nine. I got up early. One of those things, a lot of times when you travel, I don't know if you're the same way. Sometimes I get up early and I say I'm going to stay in bed, but I can't. And then I want to kind of see. So I went down and I'm driving around and uh, Rick and I head to the golf tournament. It's early before the golfers are there. Now Rick is working it. He's got his laptop out. He's responsible for a lot of things. And I didn't want to. So I, I gave him a ride down the hill, this big hill. And you, and from my room, you can see the golf course and the hills, the mountains at Sugarloaf, PA, right there in Hazleton, PA. It's just, oh, my God. And being in you know, Florida is nice, but in the summer, like just, oh, my God, I was just feeling so good. So good. So I let uh, Rick do his thing. And then uh, I came back for a little bit and then I went and got coffee, came back and then they're ready to start the, oh no. And then, then Joe comes in. We're in a big dining area, a country club with the white tablecloths and stuff, big glass windows. You can see out, you can see this beautiful golf course and see the mountains and just see it. Here comes Joe strolling in. Beautiful. Right. Just me, Joe, Rick Vaughn in this room. And then the Scranton media, a nice little contingent of media members were going to be coming at 11 a.m. for a Joe press conference about what he's doing with the Hazleton Integration Project, Respect 90 Foundation, and of course, his future and being back home. You know what I mean? First summer since 1980 that he hasn't been on a baseball field. How about that? Hasn't been in uniform, in a baseball uniform since 1980. In the summertime, here comes Joe strolling in. 
He's got his coffee. I got mine. Boom. We sit down. Boom. I wanted to make sure that Joe was looking out the windows at his beautiful golf course. And we did the interview. Just fantastic. And you heard it. You know, it just couldn't be nicer, man. I gave him a mic. He goes, oh, I got a mic. And I think that was it. So that was it. We had Rick take a picture of us. Joe goes, no, let's do it here by the window so you can see how he just loves living on this, in this, in this Pennsylvania golf course. He loves it. He loves it. So we did that. And then the Scranton media was there at Scranton Wilkes-Barre. And, um, I never know if it's Wilkes-Barre or Wilkes-Barre. And they were there. They were very nice. I was talking to them. Just good people. Everybody's nice. It was great. This is the kind of weekend I was having, man. You need, I didn't know I needed it so much. Uh, and then Joe did his thing. There was a longtime newspaper guy there for the local newspaper and blah, blah, blah. They did that, blah, blah, blah. And now, now they're going to ready. They feed these golfers. They're going to tee off right around 11, 1130, something like that. They got the grill going. They got the potato salad. They got the hamburgers. They got everything. They got the bar. They got a keg and it's just, and it's a beautiful little summer morning. And then Joe gets the microphone and he does, you know, he thanks everybody for coming and what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. And then Joe goes over and what Joe was doing is he was going to each foursome and playing with them. He wasn't in one particular spot that kind of bores him. He isn't going to just play with one foursome. He has to make it, make his rounds. And there you go. So then Rick and I were talking. Then we had our lunch and uh, we were talking and, da, 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 da. and then his sister was running the merch table that they're selling all the proceeds going to respect 90 foundation and back to this Hazleton uh, hip. So then she left and then another relative, she was very nice. I believe she was a cousin, but I don't want to get it wrong. She was very nice. And then we said, no, we'll move the merch table upstairs because when the golfers come back, they're not going to be down here. This was all outside, like uh, overlooking. Oh. So I helped Rick and her. We moved all the merch upstairs. So when the golfers come back, it'll be right there in the bar area. That's where they have everything. So there you go. So then Rick had things to do. So I said, let me go back to the hotel. I don't want to be hanging around too much. I don't want to overstate my welcome. Uh, oh, you know, too much. That's, that's my big thing, you know? So I go back to the hotel. I do a little workout, hang out a little bit. Boom. Take a shower. Boom. Head back down to the country club. Now I didn't even know what time dinner was or when they're going to do the auction and things like that. I figured maybe six. I got back there five 30. It was full go. Cause these golfers had played. They're now drinking beers. They're eating and, oh, and they had a carving station. They had turkey. Oh, that was so good. Everything was so good. So now they're having the auction. And some of the things that I saw the night before sitting with Joe Madden in his house, here's the things that he brought out and here's the things that they're auctioning off. I love the behind the scenes thing. So I was just so appreciative that I was included in. I started talking that night to guys that like Hazleton versus West Hazleton. One guy that pitched against Joe, you know, I pitched against Joe, Joe pitched, Joe was a good hitter. Joe, I said, no, no, Joe was a catcher. No, he wasn't. Joe was a pitcher. Joe was a great fielder. Joe was a hitter. No. He said, when Joe went to Lafayette College, they played against Penn State. And this local guy that used to play against Joe, maybe in Legion and and in and, and, and Senior Babe Ruth and stuff like that, he went to a game and somebody said, oh, Joe Madden, the catcher. He said, catcher. He wasn't a catcher. Joe converted 
to being a catcher. I believe it was at Lafayette College. And then he was in the minors as a catcher, and then there, there, and then the history, the rest is history, on and on. But that's something. And guys that Joe played against, even as young as like almost literally, there was that rivalry, and they were there. They're still, they're there. They came back. It was like good old school, old Pennsylvania, just salt of the earth people. That, oh my God, I can go on and on. I can go on and on about the auction. I can go on and on. Just listening to Joe with baseball, I will say this. He is late 60s. He plays golf every single day. He has not missed a day of playing golf since he's gone back to Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Hasn't missed a day. And, you know, we're going to hit wintertime. That's going to eventually get old. But listening to him for baseball, listening to him, when when a pitcher has a 2-1 count, what is the percentages? When it's 1-2 in the count, when there's this, when there's that, he's into analytics and numbers, but it's way more than that. Like, he's ahead of his time still. Like, it isn't like, oh, he's late 60s. Oh, he's not going to be able to, you know, the game is passed him by or these young guys or how it all is now. No. He embraces analytics, but also the baseball purity side of it, too. Like, I... So, and you heard in the interview, he really doesn't know. If he gets back into baseball, it's got to be with an owner that has his back and a GM that has his back and it's got to be the right situation. I specifically asked him there cause I was thinking about this talking to Rick. Uh, do you think that he, you know, what about a young, what about a young guy in major league baseball that gets the gig as a manager? Remember how Kevin cash, when he became the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, he never, he didn't have any experience, none. He never coached at any level. He was like a bullpen coach. Bullpen catcher, coach, yeah, that type of guy. You know, what about having Joe Madden on the bench? Would would Joe consider that? And I asked, he goes, no, not at this point. He says, he's not, not going to be a bench coach. He is not going to do TV. I'll, I'll tell you more about that. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So anyway, I'm just enjoying this night. I'm having some beers. All these guys are having a great time. The golfers, they're doing the auction. Everybody's having a nice time. So now the night's, you know, winding down. Joe has had a long day. Everybody wants to talk to Joe. Everybody's getting Joe's here. So finally, it was just about over. Uh, everybody was packing up their stuff. There was only a handful. You know how it always goes in any party. There's still going to be the partiers, the drinkers, like maybe seven or eight that are still there. <laughs> you know how it goes. You know how it goes. And Joe comes over to me. We shake hands. I said, Joe, I can't thank you enough. Da, 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 da. If you're going to have your thing this Christmas, what about Bruce Arians? If I say, you know, this type of thing. He's like, I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. All right. And Joe goes, I'm done. I'm actually done. I said, Joe, I can't thank you enough, man. Can't thank you enough. It's been incredible. So that's it. So we get ready to go. I get ready to go at Rick. And Rick and I get in the car. I'm going to just drive up the hill. And he goes, let's go to Joe's. I said, no, 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 no. I don't want to. I was already there last night at his house. He's probably tired. He goes, no. Joe said, you and Rock, come by. I'm like, no. Are you sure? I don't want to. It's it's late. He's tired. And the all-star game. And really, he goes, no. He said, you and Rock, come by. Oh, my God. Okay. So we drive down the hill. This is right on the golf course where Joe, we get to the house. There's Joe greeting us. Come on in. Grab yourself a cold one, Rock. Boom. Let's watch the all-star game. 
Now, bear in mind, he had not watched a major league game since his last day with the Angels. He wanted to watch it. He hits the TV and the TV was like, it was one of those things with the cable, like, oh, you got to kind of reboot it, no signal. Now, listen, if it was almost me, like, oh my God, my son's not here. Do we have someone young here that can fix this? <laughs> you know, you know, me with technology? No. And this is after all day. Joe's been on the golf course. He's had his beers or he, all this. No, he wanted to watch that all-star game. And he, he rebooted it. He figured it out. Boom, boom. And here we go. Here comes Shohei Hotani, his guy. He, and just sitting there, the three of us in his kitchen, watching it on his big screen TV, Joe Madden has managed. He is managed with the Rays. He was the AL manager of the all-star team. When the Cubs won it, he was the NL manager of the all-star team, National League. He was also a coach when the Angels, when he was a coach with the Angels, and the Angels won a World Series three times. Here's a guy that's been in the dugout managing the all-star team, and I'm sitting right next to him. And he's just, and when you sit and watch a game and listen, oh, this umpire, boom. Oh, this guy. I said, I, I was telling him about Shane McClanahan because I've been around in the clubhouse. I said, he's aloof. He doesn't, you know, it's it's a great thing. He's not aware of things. He's not aware of how good he is. Blah, blah, blah. We're watching it. A couple of pitches first were high. And Joe's like, he's nervous. He, he will eventually, he would settle down. Like, it's, it's understandable. A kid making his first all-star start, you know, on the big stage. But just the nuances that he picks up that he knows. And I think what was great out of this interview and listening to Joe for two nights talking baseball, it isn't that he is against analytics because now baseball is so heavily analytics. It's Joe, if you heard him there on that, and he he reiterated this to me and Rick, it's give me, Joe wants a sample size of like the last two weeks of a player. Like Major League Baseball, right now, when they give you the analytics, it's a big sample size. It's like an entire year. Or what is a player? Break it down to just really lately. What have you done for me lately? Like, and they they're, they're, they don't really, they're not aware of that yet. Like, Joe is still, right now, ahead of the game. You know, um, it was just, it was really something, man. It was really something. Now, I can tell you, being around him, and he said this a couple of times. He said it in the car when we were driving. He said it at his house. He said it in the uh, in the podcast here. TV is he doesn't want to do TV. Joe is genuine. He's not. He doesn't want to just like there was one time Smoltz said one little thing like oh that that and he's like look I can't imagine me just doing oh that was a uh, outside that was a good pitch and that's it or he's not the type to get on in these studio shows where you get the hot take and you argue it and just shows like that is not him so I he is not going to be on T he's not going to go the TV route he's not going to be a bench coach for a younger manager. I asked him about general manager possibility or he would 
possibly be get back to being a manager. But again, it has got to be the right situation. They got to let Joe do his thing and they've got to have his back. It's got to be right. But for, so for right now, he really seems happy. He's playing a ton of golf and he doesn't just play 18. He, he, he stays out there. He's out there all day. I think he's playing too much. I think he should just take a break a day or so because he was, he stopped, we stopped the interview. Like, he's like, Oh, my voice. Sometimes my voice goes, it might be like, you're just, you know, you playing a little, maybe, maybe that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. But he just loves it. He loves it. He looks fantastic. He looks healthy. He looks lighter. He, it was an inspiration for me. Two things. I'm up there in age. Joe's got me by, you know, he's got me by a couple of years, but still I'm up there and seeing him, seeing, seeing his swing, seeing how, how much he plays, seeing how active he is. He loves gardening. He's doing stuff out in the yard. He was telling Rick and I that he basically goes from six at whenever he gets up and he just goes, he goes all day until he crashes. Now he also gave us and Jay a tour of their place. He's got this one room. It's a real man cave room. There's a fireplace in there. There's stone in there, dark, uh, it's just like for a guy, he was in there the other night. He said he was reading a book and he just crashed out, fell asleep, you know? Oh, and by the way, by the way, Rick Vaughn, I'll, I'll post this on social media. He has written a book about the history of Al Lang stadium in St. Petersburg, Florida. And it's really more than that. It's about the history of baseball in St. Petersburg, Florida. It is incredible. The history. I think he was telling me when we were driving to the airport, 100, is it possible? 179 Hall of Famers have played at Al Lang Stadium. It's, it was spring training home for the Yankees. Um, Mets have played there. The I mean, you got to go way back. Well, in St. Pete, the Yankees played there, but the Mets and the Cardinals and, of course, the Devil Rays. And it's just iconic. And it's a great book. And you can get it on Amazon, just Google, you know, and, but, but anyway, 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 anyway. So number one, being around Joe, listening to his baseball knowledge, he is a young, I think he's 68. He is a young 68 though. It's not number two, his advice. I think that's great. And I'm going to do more of that. Did you hear what Joe said there at the end of that? You give, you, 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 you get back what you give out, what you give. If you are a positive, good person, doing good, open to others, you will get that back. If you are negative, you're bitching and moaning all the time. That's how your life's going to be. I got to do more of that. He, there was a woman on a plane I had forgotten, and Rick was telling me, but I he mentioned it there. And, he, and there was a time where he was in the Angels organization in a minor league coach, and things weren't going right. And she gave him that advice, and that stuck with him. He is, yeah, that's number two. Number three, how, how down to earth and how welcoming he is. Like, 
what he has done for me. It was like, you know what? Before I was going on this trip, I'm trying to get back in the game. I'm trying to stay in the game. I love it. I got to be at the Bucks. I'm at the Bucks this week. Here we are, NFL training camp again, covering the GOAT and Brady. I've been, I'm going to continue with the Rays and being there at least one game a series. I'm there, cover the Lightning's run. I got to be in the field. I got to keep going. I don't know. I'm, so I'm hoping to do it more. But, you know, when you get older and, and, and stations don't get back to you and they're like, ah, oh, and it was, you know, you kind of get down and then you have to be on social media so much. Do you know that the three days, the two days, really two full days that I was around Joe Madden, I didn't see him on his phone once, not once. And I was thinking about that. Is it how many followers I have on Twitter or I really was late to the game and don't really know Instagram that good and I don't have many, like, oh, I don't have that many followers. Is that why I'm not getting a chance? Is that really important? Is social media really that important? No, it's not. And how Joe is still so, his family members, they're all tight. It's a tight family. They help each other. And then the, his longtime friends, like it, it just made me think of what really is important, man. It's just, again, be good, be good to other people. Just be good. What he is doing too. this, this Hazleton integration program he had some kids there that were graduates when they started this thing a couple of years ago. And now these kids, they didn't have a, probably a pot to piss in for their, with their family situation. And they were so uh, appreciative and they're going on to college. He's doing something. He really, and he's going to continue to expand with that. That's why he's doing his homemade Joe Madden sauce. You can, you can go, you can get that. Basically go to, go to respect90.org or Google in respect 90 foundation. If you want to get involved, if you ever want to play in their golf tournament, it's worth it. Even if you're not in that area, it's very inexpensive, man, to fly to Allentown or Scranton Wilkes-Barre airport. And then the hotel is hardly anything. And it's very inexpensive rent a car. It's just, it's wonderful. And it's, or you can be involved with it. You can buy his, the merch, things like that. And it all goes to that school. Well, they, they, they bought a school and they've, they got all these programs for kids. You can help out that way. He's just, it's unbelievable, man. I have, he has reinvigorated me, rejuvenated me from way more than just this interview, getting the rock stops here, uh, podcast, Joe sitting down with me. I can't thank him enough. His wife, Jay, Rick Vaughn, and all of his family members that I got to meet. Frank, who runs the golf co- uh, country club, club pro club, club pro, uh, guys that I met there just, I just couldn't be happier and thankful. And I, we all need, that reboot. And I predict, even though Joe is loving life now, he's too good of a baseball man and he's too young yet. I don't go by numbers. When, what day he was born, when he graduated Hazleton high school in 72 and all that. No, he is a young man that is still 
ahead of his time and baseball deserves to have Joe Madden back. And I think he will be back because I think he misses it. He wanted to watch that all-star game with Rick and I, he had to reboot his cable system or whatever he's got there <laughs> after a whole day. And of oh, just it's too much. I can go on and on. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I know it's going to be heavy, heavy football from here on out. But you know what? I'll I'll, I'll try to mix it up. I don't want to be all one thing. I like to change. I like to change the seasons. I like you know covering the hockey and the baseball and now football. I think a variety is the spice of life. So anyway, Joe, thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. And Joe Madden is a great man. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>